you're listening to the Thought Leaders Business Lab, episode 40. And today we're asking the question, what is your return on intellect? So stay tuned. Hi, I'm Samantha Riley, and I work with thought leaders and experts to help them double their income, their freedom, and their impact to create a business and a life they love. From my business background of 25 years, I've learned there are three key areas to growing a successful business your mindset, your talents, and the people you surround yourself with. Here in the Business Lab, we'll interview successful entrepreneurs and deep dive to discover the exact strategies that they have used to build their business so that you can experiment and implement these strategies in your business too. Welcome to the Thought Leaders Business Lab. Welcome to another episode of the Thought Leaders Business Lab. I'm your host, Samantha Riley, and I'm really excited because this is the week that we're launching two episodes of the show every week. As you know, we've been launching our show every Monday, and if you have been downloading and listening every week, thank you so much. I really appreciate you and my guests really appreciate you coming in and listening. So this week are going to be releasing two episodes per week. So every Monday we'll have our regular show and also every Thursday. And on Thursday's show, I'll be welcoming a co-host into the business lab, Tim Hyde. So Tim is an automation expert and between us, we're going to be exploring different topics around creating your freedom business. So listen out for our show on Thursday where you'll get an intro to Tim Hyde. But today's featured expert is talking about a subject which is near and dear to my heart. He's talking about how to create more freedom in your business. So most experts make the mistake of picking just one mode to deliver their expertise through. Accountants make money through accounting. Trainers make money through training. Coaches make money from training. I mean, you get the picture. But the secret to becoming a niche leader and having more revenue is to diversify how you deliver what you do. So Ronan Leonard teaches niche business owners and subject matter experts how to leverage their IP into additional revenue models and increase their industry profile all through the innovative concept of virtual masterminds. Ronan is known as the mastermind guy and let's welcome him right now into the Thought Leaders Business Lab. Ronan, welcome to the Thought Leaders Business Lab. I'm really excited to be having you here with us today. Oh, thank you, Samantha. Really looking forward to it. We've uh, connected on LinkedIn and we've got this symbiotic talking about the same thing. So it's, yeah, it's great to sort of um, speak with like-minded people. Absolutely. And it's funny that you even started like that because the first thing I was going to say is that what I love about our conversations is that we both do something that's very similar. We have very similar ideas of how to grow a business, but we use different vehicles and different ways to get there. So I think this is going to be a really, a really cool conversation to help people to I guess really grow their business. And as we're looking at moving into 2019 and people are probably reflecting and thinking, wow, you know, my business did or didn't achieve what we wanted to next year, but it's not many people I know that don't want to grow their business. I mean, there are some, uh, but you know, it's a perfect time for people to reflect and start to think what is it that they can, they can do to grow their business next year. And what we're going to talk about today will be a perfect platform for that. Absolutely. Now you are known as the mastermind guy. I'd love you to share with us a little bit more about that 
uh, and the kinds of people that you work with? That's a good, it's a good, uh, good leading question. It's self-title, obviously. It's, uh, <laughs> it's one of those things that you're allowed to do, but I, I don't like to call myself thought leader or expert or any of those things, but I, I'm obsessed with masterminds and, and the impact they can have. And the very first one I was in about four years ago, it was this light bulb moment because I'd run my own business for over a decade and I hadn't done any coaching or any kind of support and, and it got exhausting and it got so tiring. So the second I was in my very first ma- mastermind, I went, this is me. I, I found my sort of calling. And, and sometimes we never do that. So for me, it was the, the perfect vehicle to find out not only what I don't know, there's this whole thing around, oh, there's the seven secrets. A secret really is just something you don't know. And the reality is business is so complex these days, which is why we're niching down into what we do, that you can't know everything. You can't be across everything. So the idea of around being in a mastermind is to collectively come together together and share wisdom wisdom and knowledge and learn from each other. Mm. So that's why I run masterminds. Mm, totally. Now, before I even, I love masterminds. I think they're fantastic. Um, you don't know what you don't know. What I love about them is that you know you don't only get the answers to your questions, but they also help you to think bigger. You know, someone else asks a question and it just, it's like, you know, a whole heap of explosions in your brain going off thinking, wow, why didn't I think of that? Why didn't I think that big? And that's why I love masterminds. I think they're fantastic. Yeah, they're definitely a, a growth in your in your mindset absolutely everyone talks about that soft skill of mindset and it's something that you can read blog posts about you can you can look at all these other people that have achieved achieved successful things but it's only when you peel back the layers and and get to sort of meet people in that similar situation to you that are probably a step or two ahead sometimes or think differently that you truly get it and i often say that it's difference between context and content there's, mm-hmm. there's a million one blog posts out there. The content is everywhere. You know, Derek Sivers' quote is that it was all about information. We'd all be multi-millionaires with perfect abs. So mm-hmm. it's not about content. It's about context. So even finding someone that's done something that you want to do and that's able to give you that context around how it might apply to you and the nuances on there and show you a different way is where your, your mind truly expands. And if you, you bump up against your limiting beliefs all the time, we all do it. doesn't matter where you are what your turnover is, where there's always that next step and that next hurdle to achieve. And it's very hard to do on your own. So as you said, being in a mastermind and getting ideas from people and growing your mind is almost impossible to do in isolation. Most of us just just don't know what we don't know and just don't have that capacity to, to think bigger and think differently. I think there's another piece to that too, in that when we're in our own businesses, because I'm sure you're the same, you help people to, uh, to launch their masterminds and we are going to dive into that a little bit deeper, you know, and, and I certainly help people to monetize their IP in different ways as well. I don't know about you, but I can help people. I can help just about anyone to unwrap their IP and and turn it into something. Sometimes I actually have trouble doing it myself. You get so caught in your own thoughts and your own business that you need an outside perspective to help you see what you can't see inside the own, you know, I call it the bowl of spaghetti in your head. Yeah, we're all great at giving advice to the people and we're terrible at taking it. We're (laughs) We're also really good at commitment but we're really good at commitment for other people. So our clients, our family, our friends, we, we do all that. And yet we're, we're the first people to ourselves where we commit to something. So it might be, 
I'm going to commit to, to, to write a book next year. And then you know that only one in 10 people actually ever do that. We have all these lofty goals, and yet we break the commitments to ourselves with massive regularity. And then the, the reason we do that is that we've got an experience in self, and we've got a narrative self, and they never quite align. So the, the gap between the middle is accountability, which is why coaching is booming, which is why personal trainers boom, because you just need somebody to help you with that commitment that you've mentally in your head done. Sometimes you've written it down, sometimes you've written a, you've gone sort of quite far down the, the process, but you just fail to get that final sort of bit that, that keeps you on track and gets you to where you want to be. Mm, totally. Now you help people to run their own masterminds. I'd love you to share with us, what are the sort, who are the sort of people that could be thinking that they could add this to their toolbox? Who are the kinds of business owners or people, they might not even be in business, that could run a mastermind? I would say it applies to just about everybody that has some kind of niche business or some kind of USP or you or experience that other people want to learn from them and, and remove the uncertainty, want that shortcut and don't want to make all the mistakes that that person has made. I, I ask people to really to think about their different ROI, their return on their intellect. So what are all the mistakes and the knowledge and the skill sets that you know? And the problem with most subject matter experts is they dismiss that really easily. They say, oh, that's easy, because like, you know, they do that day in and day out. Mm. Not to other people, it isn't. Mm. That's, the, that's the genius that the other people see it and, and subject matter experts dismiss so easily. Mm. So anybody from, you could be an accountant, you could be a copywriter, you could run a, a small digital agency, you could have a bricks and mortar business that there are processes or systems that there's some kind of thing that you do really, really well that other people haven't done yet, can't do, don't know how to do, and you are able to show them a process and a, and a playbook, I call it, where they can actually get to there without having to, to figure it all out themselves. Mm. And I wanted that, that genius that you just mentioned there, I find that m the most of the people that when we discover their genius or when I sort of start to shine a light on their genius, it's the, it's the thing that they normally say, oh, but that's so easy. Everyone knows that. It's that, that real piece that they get. It's so easy for them that they don't even realize that other people can't do it. Yeah, it's the, it's the four levels of competence, isn't it, where you finally reach that unconscious competence where you just do something effortlessly during your sleep. The equivalent is, is quite general, but driving a car, you get to a mm. point where you can drive a car and you don't even remember making all those last minute decisions, all those turns, you just got from point A to point B. Uh, but this is obviously more niche, you're, you're specialized. Most people are just genius at one or two things. And some people never ever find that genius. Uh, some people stumble across it. I've, I've heard of so many business stories where people didn't even know they had that skill and they were forced into it or some circumstance, complete luck, and they find their genius and they go on to create multiple streams of, of revenue and, and multi-million dollar businesses out of something they didn't even know they had that skill. Yeah, that's uh, so, awesome. Yeah, so sometimes they just don't even recognize it. And, and the others, for the others that do, it's, it's not only just recognizing it, it's, as you said, finding different ways to monetize that. We don't need to, to learn more and more skill sets for a certain point. If we've got a great skill set, our best way to monetize that is to is to just hone in on that and find better ways to deliver that to more people in, in ways that they want to consume that rather than you trying to do more different things. Totally. Now, you mentioned that just about anyone would be able to do this, uh, someone that's got a skill. 
What about for the person that's reached a point where they are really busy in their business, they really know that they don't have any time, but they've also reached that income ceiling where they've run out of time and they can't bring in more money to grow their business. I know that you've got a a whole methodology around this. Can you tell us more about this? Because there might be people listening that are in that boat. Well, when you're busiest, that's the exact perfect time to launch uh, the new product because you've got the revenue stream already, which means you can take a small step back to increase a bigger profit and that new uh, additional revenue stream. It also means that if you wait until it's too late, so, so most businesses run in this regular sort of bell curve. And you start off, if you look at those, those graphs, it's like a hump. You start mm-hmm. off at the start and you do anything for anybody at any price because you're just starting out. <laughs> I just want to bring those first few dollars in. Yeah, exactly. And then you get obviously more confident in what you do and you, you, you start to realize your worth and you hit the top of that, that curve. And that's when you're, as you said, you're, you're flat out. I can't take any more customers. I'm too busy, et cetera, et cetera. So you have two choices at that stage. You either continue to what you do and then you find that more and more people come into your, to your niche, your area of expertise. They commoditize what you do. And then you end up at the bottom end of that where you continue to do what you've just done, always done. And eventually you find that there's too much competition in the market. You haven't differentiated yourself. Everyone's sort of caught up to what you do too late. So while you're at that top of that curve, that's when you say, okay, well, I say I don't have enough time, but if you pick the right additional revenue stream, then you're exponentially growing your business without doing the same amount of work. You're doing less. You're finding some one-to-many, whether that is a book, whether there's a mastermind, whether that is speaking engagements that pay more than somebody paying you an hourly rate. So you find that next level of income and you create this S-curve where you continue to grow and, and your additional revenue probably stays the same or maybe do a little bit less of what you have been doing at that lower rate because you're attracting the next sort of customers at that far higher profitable center. Mm. And what I love about you know what we're talking about here is trading less of our time for dollars. So we're able to get our message to more people in the same amount of time as we were previously dealing with a client one-on-one, which means that we're really able to leverage that time and spend more time doing the things that we love. Yeah, leverage is a huge part of small business owners. And I think it's one of the things that they tend to massively under undervalue and, and just don't look around because ultimately there is only one of you. And, and when you think about all the things that you do each day, and where's your highest leverage? What's your most important task? Only when you start to look at that critically, can you move away from being the technician to being a true business owner? Because your job isn't necessary to be a better plumber and a better plumber and a better plumber until you're the best plumber in the world. For most people, it's, okay, well, I've got this plumbing business. How do I take on more stuff? How do I free myself up so that I do really leverage uh, the, the existing information that I have, that I've got a good business? So it's more about working... Everyone says on your business instead of in your business, but it's definitely more about working on the idea of business rather than just on the technical aspect of doing the plumbing or accounting or whatever that that part of the business is because there is that ceiling, as you said, that you hit. Yeah, perfect, perfect. Now, how... You help people to launch their masterminds in 40 hours, I believe. That's correct, yes. If someone's at this point where they've just listened and gone, oh my goodness, that is me, What? I'd love you to take us through the process of the sorts of things that they need to do to be able to launch their own mastermind. Okay. The first idea really is to to look at what you know and, and to sort of dive quite sort of deeply into that. Mind mapping, a couple of other things where you've been sort of through thought leadership, you start to 
shape some ideas and some concepts that are potentially valuable. But, mm. but that then is still an assumption. You then go to the to your existing audience and you test and you ask them what they want to learn, not what you want to teach. And there's oh. a subtle difference between the two. It's actually not that subtle. <laughs> but I love that you wrapped it up in that lovely word. <laughs> yeah, it's because we, we become experts on what we do, myself included, and, and you and probably a big chunk of your audience where you, I, I know this niche, I know this market inside out, but potentially you haven't been having those conversations with the people that tell you exactly what they want to learn. And you hear it all the time. People spend six months building this course, they launch it. And even though they've got a very strong following and they're very good at what they do, it goes nowhere. So really going out to the market and finding what they want and iterating and, and as I said, learning from them. And the beauty of the mastermind is that you get that instant feedback as you run through that six weeks and do that. And just to cover off, we cover off mindset because I, I strongly believe that, as I said, people have these best intentions and then they fail to implement. So they, these fears and doubts come up when, we, when you buy a course. They say that 85% of people don't complete a course, which is a huge number when you consider in some courses are four, five, $7,000 and 85% not completing those. And they have every intention when they hand over their money at the start. They're excited, they're motivated. So m- mindset is normally the reason that they bump up against at that point and go, I'm not sure this is for me. I'm not sure if I can do it. So we cover off that. And then after that, it's really about shaping your process, looking at what you're going to charge. Again, we talk about pricing is a, is a huge thing because people have this expectation if they've only charged X amount per hour, then they feel uncomfortable charging a bigger amount, even though they're teaching more people. Mm. But I also teach people to come up with an outcome, not a process. Because people buy results, not processes. So they don't really care for the most part. They probably don't care that it's only 40 hours. They don't even care that it's six modules. What they care at the end is that at the end, you'll have a high-paying mastermind that you can charge three, four, five thousand dollars $5,000 and you get six, eight people through and you run that four times a year. That's $200,000. That's the outcome. Mm. So the process is almost irrelevant to most people. It's what am I at the end of it? So again, I teach that in there. And then finally, the, the past, the, the boring bit, the, the last module is actually how to mastermind and to actually implement the, the, that information and, and what your audience wants to learn. Mm. I really like that. It, it flows beautifully. I've got a couple of questions. So if we're going back to the beginning uh, and you talked about the difference between what we can teach and what we know. Uh, sorry, what we know and what people want to learn. How do you actually differentiate between what people are asking for, even though that might be not what they need? So let me give an example of that. I have a lot of times people come to me and say, we need to learn Facebook advertising. But at that particular point, even though they're saying, I need to learn Facebook advertising or I need to run Facebook ads, in actual fact, the problem isn't the Facebook ad itself. The problem is that they may be not clear on their message, for example. And if they learn how to do Facebook ads, it wouldn't make any difference because they still wouldn't get any return on investment because it's actually not the problem. So do you have a process of figuring out or being able to tiptoe on either side of that line of what they're saying they need to know and what we know as experts they need to know. Yeah, it's a good point. You're right. There's often this the second order consequences. Okay, if you learn Facebook ads and your conversion rate's still terrible, all you're going to do is put more people into a funnel that you can't then convert to them. Mm. So <laughs> it's a good point. I, I, I tend to try and get people to look for system-wide 
problems, as in the market that, that they all want. So it's not on an individual level. So potentially, you're right, you're saying somebody that not, 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 might not be right for them. But if you if you look at a common problem in industry, disruption is a really good one around that innovation and, and looking where several people, one after one call after another, all tell you the same thing, uh, then you, you hone down onto, onto that rather than trying to individually say this isn't right for you. Mm. I think mm. sometimes it's, it's almost impossible without having those one-on-one calls for people and, and potentially the masterminders can then screen people. I, I know Dory Clark screened people in her mastermind, heard of Ryan Levesque doing it. So effectively, you can do it at that stage to say, actually, this mastermind isn't right for you. And you yeah. reach that point. So, and, and your clients will love you for that. So actually, this isn't quite right for you. Uh, but on a, yeah, does, does that answer your question or is it? Yeah, no, it does. And I, I, I mean, you knew the answer and I knew the answer, but I think it's something that I wanted to shine a light on because if people take, they hear some things at, at face value and um, it can be good to dive deeper into those conversations and really start to understand, well, you know, well, what, what is it? And, you know, as experts, we know our expertise more than we should know our expertise more than the majority of people. So it's, I think it's about the person really getting deep and asking deeper questions um, rather than just listening to the shallow questions that they're hearing. And that's, that's what you said, right? Yes, exactly. And as I said, it's, it's doing that, that real market research to assess, to test your own assumptions, just to make sure it is the right thing for you. And as we teach that, then they'll be teaching that to their, to their audience. So it's all about your audience then speaks back to you and tells you what they want to know and, and the problems they're having and all those, those deepest fears they have. And, and that just really cements you as somebody that really knows the industry inside out because you're very close with your audience and you're learning from them at the same time. Totally. Absolutely. Now, I know you mentioned quite early in the call about, uh, you know, you, you don't want to be the, the plumber that constantly is learning more about plumbing and being the best plumbing and more we want to think about being the great business owner. Okay, so I know that you talk about being a rock star in your niche and I know that this is a great way to stand out because I guess if we're competing with other people that are doing the same thing as us, then we're all going to blend in and be vanilla. So can you give us some tips and uh, some ideas on what you actually mean about being the rock star in your niche? Well, effectively, if you can chop up your intellectual property into several different ways, you just become more of an authority. You become more easily recognized. And as you deliver your, your ideas on several different levels, which is teaching people one-on-one, which is potentially a mastermind, which is a book, which is being an author. As you do all of those things, you just become known as that person. So I call it being, it's just on the way to being that niche rock star where you're just known and you don't need to, as I said, learn lots of different things. You just need to, to hone down into one or two great ideas that serve your niche, that serve your audience, that really resonate with them. And again, you find that out by having that interaction with them and, and learning from them. And as you shape that and the, you test those ideas and messages and they, they come through, you just become known as, as, as that person. And it could be something as, as really as niche as 
The reason I heard this idea first off was that somebody said that they're a consultant to automobile industry and specifically um, used car buyers. And, and when you serve that audience and everybody knows you within that industry as that person, you become that niche rock star. Outside of that area, nobody knows you. You're not, you're not looking to be the next Tim Ferriss or Maria Folio or, or somebody, Gary V. You're not looking to be that, that person to everybody. But within that industry, in that sort of niche, you can dominate that and you can absolutely own that. But the only way you can do that is obviously being the person that has done something more than just deliver what, what you do. You have to expand on that to ensure that you're recognized and, and you speak about it or you write about it and you become that niche rock star. And that's just, this is just one of the ways of working towards that. Mm. And I'm so glad that you pulled that apart because I think that some people think that being that niche rock star is about, you know, a certain way that we show up on social media or a certain way that, you know, that we look, I'm not really sure, but what you're saying is it's not the way that we're showing up with our brand necessarily, but it's about becoming the real go-to authority by using the IP that we have and making it different to everyone else's. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it really isn't about trying to appeal to everybody or, or it's almost impossible to be the next Gary Vee or the next Richard Branson. They're, they're outliers. They're, they're one in... 50,000, 100,000, whatever that is. So that's not your, your goal. Your goal is to potentially find a niche. It, most people are probably already in one because as a, as a, it's far easier to dominate a niche than to be a general accountant and appeal to nobody. Mm. I'll give you a great example. Uh, in 2010, Dropbox head of marketing was a guy called Sean Ellis, and he coined the phrase growth hacker. Right? Heard of mm -hmm. that phrase? Yep. There are now 21,000 people on LinkedIn calling themselves growth hacker. <laughs> right. 21,000 in eight years. So how do you stand out? You become a growth hacker for doctors. And you niche down and you say, I'm going to be the rock star uh, growth hacker for doctors. It's a good market. You know, they pay well. They, they've got high paying clients. So you serve that one niche and you narrow down into that. And you'll get a far better living than trying to complete, compete with the other 20,999 people who just call themselves a general uh, marketer, growth hacker in that same space. Mm. So you find a niche and you look to, to, to own that and dominate that. That doesn't mean you need to stay in that niche forever. You don't have to, if you've got transferable skills, you can change, you can change niche. But owning one niche is a, is, a, is a great tactic to ensure that you maximize your revenue. Totally. And I was just talking with someone today after we saw a post on LinkedIn. It's not even about niching your skills. It's about niching your message and your marketing. Because if someone does have a lot of skills, like you say, they can actually, they could potentially, I guess, run different masterminds uh, because they don't need to just deal with that. Uh, but they need to make sure that the message and the marketing they're getting out each time is only specifically um, known to or, or, or shared at a time. Yes, every, every niche has different pain points. And, and that's one of the things we sort of teach is that you're looking for universal pain points. That's your home run. If you can find a niche and they've all got the same problem, then that's a, that's a huge business opportunity. And in this day and age of disruption and innovation, it's far easier almost to find a niche that's being disrupted and saying, hey, you're being disrupted and I know this and I've done my research and I've spoken to lots of people. Here's my solution to help you to that. Mm. 
And that goes back to what you were saying earlier around pricing too, uh, where a lot of people uh, are afraid to set their pricing. But just adding to what you just said then, I know that if someone could solve my problem like in 10 minutes and make me you know, a certain amount of money or get me a certain outcome in a very short amount of time, then I'm quite happy to pay more money to have that dealt with straight away. So it's actually not about a time thing or... Um, well, it's not about a time thing there. It's about getting your your technique and your methodology so that you can solve that problem quickly and people will be happy to pay for it. Yeah, definitely outcome-based. I touched on this earlier and, and it's it's one of the core things we teach is that you, you provide an outcome, not a process as such. If you can wrap it up in a big promise. And, and what people forget is that, another example I use is if you think about Domino's Pizza, are they the best pizza in the world? Oh, no. Oh, it definitely like not. <laughs> <laughs> no, it tastes like cardboard to me. But people forget that back in the 70s when when this type of fast food wasn't as ubiquitous as it is now, Domino's came up with this success promise which said, hot pizza delivered in 30 minutes or it's free. Mm. Now that was a result and a promise that people just bought into in droves at that stage. They understood it, it was a brain hack of, okay, 30 minutes, hot pizza delivered. So there would have been far better pizza places down the road that maybe took 45 minutes, maybe didn't have that promise. Uh, but people just understood that. So when you can wrap up an outcome into into a promise like that, that's what people buy and that's a very core message. Mm, totally. I love that you, you talked about that because that's exactly right. I don't know very many people that would choose Domino's Pizza, you know, without knowing. And that's certainly, you know, back in the day, back in the 70s, my parents would order it because otherwise, you know, on a Friday night, we, who wants whingy kids at the end of a Friday waiting an hour to be fed? You know, they're just like, 30 minutes, I want my kids fed so they can go away, leave me alone. So it's it's really taking away that pain point, exactly like you say. Yes, the their promise wasn't, we'll give you the best pizza. Their promise was something else, which was the the, the speed and the, the ease of it. And that's what people bought that, they bought that outcome. And, and this is, that's the reason I used that was that you alluded to that earlier, that if, if you've got a solution, and it's a good solution and it uh, takes away a problem, then the people gravitate towards that rather than the process. They don't care how you do it. Mm. They just care what the results you get. So when you talk to somebody about a mastermind and, and you say, if, you've, if you're struggling to, to increase your revenue and adding a mastermind will give you an extra six figures a, a year and, and this process is really quick and that's, that's the shortcut for them. Instead of them thinking, I've got to do all this hard work, it could be six, 12 months. Again, they don't really care about the process. They just care about the end result. Mm, perfect. Now I know that there's probably going to be people listening that have a lot of expertise that are thinking, actually, this is a really good uh, strategy and maybe it's something that I want, want to start thinking about. And you've got a great freebie for those people. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, I think some of the reasons that we get into business get distorted. We, we Along the way, we tend to forget why we're in business. And, and I went to see Simon Sinek and, and did a whole sort of workshop for the day and met him personally. And when distilling your why and just knowing that, and it also helps you communicate as well, is why you're in business. Not just because you're passionate, because the, the word passion's been hijacked these days. Everyone says they're passionate. Yes. Um, not enough. <laughs> not, enough <laughs> not enough to me. Hey, I'm passionate. Okay, well, what if you're not any good? So it's not passionate, only gets you so far. But knowing your why and, and dialing into that really helps you have those 
as you said, uh, uncomfortable conversations with yourself about, should I really implement this? Is this the right thing for me? And what's my overall purpose? And if you want to become that niche rock star and you want that sort of purpose, then your why is really good. So I give away the Simon Sinek formula that teaches you to work out your, your why so that you've got that dialed in, so you can live it, so you can communicate it. And we all know that when you communicate your, your values effectively, and I'm not talking about some crappy mission statement that big corporations put when you read it and you go, what? What was that? Yeah. When you can dive into your true why and communicate that, then you attract the people that you want to work with that, that get what you're trying to achieve and, and rally around you and you create that sort of mini culture almost. So yeah, happy to give that away. And where do we find that? I'll, there'll be a link in the show notes if you want. Is that Love the it. easiest way? Perfect. That's perfect. We'll just pop the link in the show notes. So whether you're listening on your mobile or whether you're at home listening, just click onto the bottom of the episode and we'll make sure that it's there for you to download that. Now we've talked lots today about content versus context. We've talked about monetizing your IP. We've talked about launching your product and getting it to market quickly and the S-curve and Rockstar in your niche and all sorts of amazing things. You've shared lots and lots of value. What's the one thing, Ronan, that you want to leave us with today so that we can wrap this episode up and know that it's complete? I, I like to just to get people to think about their return on their intellect. And it, it doesn't have to be a mastermind, just some other form to say, okay, I, look, I, I, I'm pretty good at what I do. I, I know my stuff or I, I know a process or I know a formula or I know a shortcut. I know all this stuff. What am I going to do with that? Am I just going to sit on it? And, and then eventually leave it? Or can I find ways that I can share that to, to more people more succinctly, help other people and sort of pay that information forward? So my parting thing is just to think about what is your return on your intellect and, and are you making enough of a contribution? Oh, love it. What a beautiful way to wrap up this episode. Thanks so much, Ronan, for joining us in the Thought Leaders Business Lab today. It's been an absolute pleasure hanging out with you. Oh, Samantha, thanks for having me on the show. Really, really enjoyed our chat. Thank you. Do you want to grow and scale your business so you can make an even bigger impact? One of the reasons I've been able to achieve the success I have over the years can be attributed to one simple factor, surrounding myself with like-minded people, people who think big like me, who have a desire for growth and who understand the challenges we face when growing and scaling a business. That's why I've created a free community, especially for thought leaders and experts just like you, and I'd love you to join us. Just request access to my free Facebook group at Thought Leaders Inner Circle. If you enjoyed today's episode, I would love you to share this on your favorite social account. Just head to samanthariley.global forward slash podcast, click on your favorite episode and you'll see the buttons right there to share the love. And as this show is new, I would love, love, love you to leave a five-star rating and a review on iTunes. See you next time in the Thought Leaders Business Lab. Business Lab.